The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the management of KUCI or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show, go to KUCI.org. Gas prices have been going up a lot lately, and they'll probably continue to. KUCI offers a few tips to help curb this burden. First, if you live close to your school or work, consider riding a bike. It's healthier for you and for the environment, and it can actually be a lot of fun. If that won't work for you, we recommend that you make sure your vehicle is as empty as possible. In other words, don't keep junk in your trunk. Any unnecessary weight can have a huge impact on your mileage over the long run. So considering the skyrocketing cost of gas, it's a great time to break the four-wheel habit. You'll get great exercise, increase your energy, and elevate your overall mood. Plus, it's great for the environment. And you'll never have to worry about getting stuck in traffic again and have a great parking spot. How about a glass of milk? That's gross. Well, count sheep or something. Mommy, you can do better than that. Well, do you have any other ideas? Oh, I know. I can listen to KUCI 88.9. Cool. That's exactly what I'm doing. Friend us on Facebook at KUCI FM and follow us on Twitter at KUCI FM. Hi there, welcome to the Get the Funk Out Show. I'm your host, Janine, and this morning's special guest is singer, songwriter, screenwriter, and ever-so-talented voice coach, Deb Chamberlain. She's calling in from Philly area. She's been a top New York City and Philadelphia area vocal coach for over 25 years. She's training kids and major label artists. She's a professional singer and songwriter, jingle and voiceover artist, personal life coach, screenwriter, co-founder of the Changing Our World Cow Project, teen nonprofit, and mother of a 16-year-old beautiful girl. Deb is currently writing a new screenplay and shopping another called Sawdust and Glitter, a circus story loosely based on her own experiences as a showgirl in Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus. It's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show, Deb Chamberlain. Hi, Deb. Hi, how are you? Good, good. Thank you so much for calling in. Oh, gosh. It's it's a nice surprise. I was to, so uh, ha- happy to connect with you, you know? Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Oh, sure, sure. You know, I want to tell a little backstory. We met uh, several years ago through Mama Palooza, right? Right. You had your own festival going, right, in the Philly area? I did, out in um, southern New Jersey, outside of Philadelphia, okay. in the Cherry Hill area. I think we met in Manhattan. At, yeah, we met. I think Joy, the founder of Mama Palooza, had a um, a media conference. That's and right. I met you there. That's right. That's right. Yep. Tell me a little bit about your own backstory into music. Have you been singing since you were little? Yep, I sure have. <laughs> I have two sisters, and um, we're all close in age, within three or four years. And before the days of dishwashers, so this is dating me back a little bit, <laughs> we, um, we used to wash the dishes every night. One would wash, one would dry, and one would put away. Okay. And we'd sing songs. My older sister would um, have us sing songs and teach us harmonies. It's kind of cool when I look oh, back on it. That's nice. And then we'd, yeah, and then we'd go to family reunions, and we'd perform a couple songs for the family. And a lot of my um, relatives, uncles, aunts, cousins are... Uh, musical or theatrical or in the art somehow. So it's it's always been in our family and appreciated in our family. You know, it's nice. I've always been really shy about 
singing. And I think, I know when you do it when you're younger, I see my girls, they're always singing, whether they're in the shower or running on the house. <laughs> when you start when you're younger, it's a different story. Yeah, totally. it really is. And, you know, all the TV shows that are out now, yeah, at first I was thinking, oh, that's not how you make it in the music industry, but right. it actually has become one way now. Yes. And it's, I think it's really great because it gives, um, the younger generations access to really seeing what it takes to develop your talent and and um, how far you can go with it. It's it's inspiring and and it's right there at their fingertips and it makes it so it's nothing they have to dream about and and think it oh it could never happen to me you know if you sure. do the work it really can sure sure and as far as singing goes because the whole theme of the show is get the funk out would you say that singing and songwriting has been very cathartic for you. Oh, yeah. When I was um, in high school, my sister went away one summer and to a college program and came back and introduced me to Carole King. Whoa. Music. <laughs> oh, music. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I actually, I actually did do some vocal coaching with Carole King years later, which was, like, crazy because she was, she was my therapist, <laughs> my mm. therapist growing up. <laughs> I had all of her records, and I would... Pl- get all her songbooks, and I'd sit at the piano for hours and just I love sing it. all of her songs, play all of her songs, and just, you know, really get it out. Love get it. Get it out. I love it. Tell me about, you know, you have so many creative outlets, which I think is fantastic. Tell me a, f- a little bit about some of those things you do. I've been singing my whole life. Mm-hmm. I went to school for music theater, so I dabbled in theater in high school and college which has now led me back to writing screenplays, so I'm actively doing that. I, you know, fell into, I put that in quotes, Hmm. an opportunity to take voice lessons with um, a master teacher in New York City who's worked with hundreds of celebrities and great singers. And she actually, Katie Agresta, she actually trained me to teach 20-some years ago, so I've been teaching since the mid-'80s. It's great. Um, Vocal, yeah, it's great, all levels beginners to recording artists. I do jingles. My voice is the, in, if you live in the Phil- in anywhere in Pennsylvania or in the Philadelphia area, you hear my voice every night on the Pennsylvania Lottery drawing on TV. That's so cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. And um, I also have been very active for the last 30 years in personal growth and um, spiritual practices. I'm not really religious, but I I'm very intrigued with like self mastery and mm-hmm. and delving into the purpose of life and um what that is and so I do a lot of work with that. I've taught courses in that I take courses in it I read and I also had this opportunity about twelve or thirteen years ago to go to Israel. One of my sisters had a wealthy boyfriend at the time who has mm-hmm. a very very generous gift took us and my other sister and a small group to Israel. Oh, nice. As a gift. Nice. Yeah, and it was like an epiphany. I just had this incredibly deep soul experience there. And I came home, and I was very obsessed with Israel, the Middle East, and studied it like crazy, and actually won tickets to go back to Israel the next year with my husband. So it was definitely something calling me there. Let me ask you, excuse Um, me, tell me about that trip. What did you do when you were there? Well, really, we just were tourists. We had our own tour guide, our own bodyguard, and we traveled around from 
as far south as the Dead Sea, up into the north near the Galilee region and along the Mediterranean coast up to um, Haifa. We just saw we saw both Jewish and Christian um, holy sites, and the tour guide was fantastic because he was just a nonstop commentary on, <clears throat> you know, the history, the culture, the religion, everything ancient and modern about Israel. And what happened to me during that that experience was I was very sleep deprived. I only slept a few hours a night for about a week, and it kind of put me in this trance state. Why? Why and weren't you sleeping, Deb? Because you were just. I I I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a two year old daughter at home with my husband. My parents came to help, but so I I don't know if I was a little uneasy about that. But I really think it was my energy was shifting and. I, I was restless, mm-hmm. and so I, you know, maybe the change in time, all of that, the physical and the energy levels, and there was something deep in me stirring from the experience, and um, I didn't really talk much on the trip. I was pretty quiet, but on the flight home, it's a you know, 12, 13-hour flight, I couldn't sleep the whole time. Oh, my <laughs> like, gosh. Are you, are you kidding me? <gasps> must have been a wreck. And, um, I would be Miss Krabby, but... Oh, <laughs> well, I, I don't know. It was just this strange epiphany i it was like a video camera in my mind reran the entire trip from start to finish all the holy sites all the commentary the tour guide told us and everything ran through my mind and so vividly and it started to sink in and i i would like the way i described the experience it was for the first time in my life i was really present to my soul mm-hmm. to a soul level and i never really knew what that meant you know when people talked about Oh, your spirit. You know, I, sure. I kind of understood it, but not really. So that was sort of um, like there was my life up until that trip, and then there's my life after that trip. Nice. You know, I went back a year later because I won these two airfare, round-trip airfare tickets, and it just sort of deepened the experience. And then I came home, and I, you know, I'd had my eyes open. I wasn't this sheltered American living, you know, in my comfort zone anymore. I couldn't I couldn't ignore what was going on in the world, mm-hmm. all over the world, not just the Middle East. Sure. And this was 1999 and 2000. And um, I started getting kind of depressed and sad, thinking, why is there so much angst in the world? Why is everyone always fighting? Why right. is always, you know, everyone always... Um, attacking each other verbally, physically, everything. in every yeah. way. And that yeah. was both from my personal relationship levels to global levels. I mean, everything correlates exactly, you know, on every level. And um, so I had this um, I had this thought, oh, someday when I'm where I want to be in my life, I'm going to do something. I'm going to work with songwriters or artists and help them create music that, that crosses the borders. There's no boundaries. It just fills the airways with positive messages and loving messages. And in that instant, you know, it was almost like I was laughing at myself. Why, why would I wait till I had my life together? Right. Why don't I just do that now? You know, they say teach what you need to learn. So a friend of mine who was a voice student who teaches in a local high school, we started a, a teen, we started a project that was an experiment um, with a, t- a group of teens in the high school, right. and we called it the Cow Project, which was short for Changing Our World. Nice. And we basically gave the kids an opportunity to use their creative self-expression, and they created a multimedia show to to address all the issues in their lives that that were important. And it and it went 
on you know all levels self esteem to two things like bullying and then over it, like we thought it would be over after that project ended and the kids just loved it and the feedback in the community was great so it kept going and going and that's great and powerful. You, yeah it was like it was great it was also a lot of work and volunteer at, you know like my, oh, yeah. my life i was like oh we know what, what that's like <laughs> oh god so um Long story short, it ended up becoming a 501c3, and it's nine years later, and it's really starting to, you know, get its legs under it. And um, nice. You know, they also do community service, and so it's. I've really expanded my myself in the world. Like, I've done so much work for this nonprofit that I never would have done for myself. I learned how to do PR. I learned yeah. how to file taxes for a nonprofit and write grants and. You know things that always intimidated me as an artist. So that's great. That's really really helped help me forward my confidence and my skills in the business sense as well. Mm -hmm. It's funny when you land into something, whether it's you know you always think I'd love to get a job in this area, and you don't, and then you create that life for yourself, and you you become the self learner. You know with what you're describing, and I think that's that's great. And you and I had talked about how sometimes you meet a total stranger, and they are so wise. You know, I think we need to pay attention to the people we meet because they can bring you insight and advice when you least expect it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, you know, my whole life has felt like a million little tiny brush strokes, you know, if you think of a painter. Mm-hmm. But then if you stand back, there's like the, the broad strokes that you can see, you know, the patterns, the, the cycles where, you, you know, I feel like I've had 10 lifetimes. Yeah. And where I'm at now in my life I feel like a, a lot of the time, a lot of my life up until now, I felt underneath, underneath the surface, and I don't think people generally perceive me this way, mm-hmm. except for the people that are close to me. Under the surface, I've always been kind of depressed or full of struggle. I've had this this experience that life is just hard for me. You know, I, I look back and I see it's so easy and breezy for some people, and I'm just like, wow, how, how is that? You know, how is it like that for people? That's what you think. That's not, yeah. That, that was my yeah. experience. Like, sure. how, how come my life feels so hard, so full of struggle? Like, I'm always going against the tide. Mm-hmm. And that's what's had me really dig into trying to understand. Kind of like, I love that, I love that um, director, Tom Shadiak, who mm-hmm. did all those crazy movies, and then he just did the documentary I Am. Did you see that? No, I didn't. I've heard about it, though. Oh, my God. Amazing. amazing movie. Oh, my God. Amazing. So I've been on that path, you know, really looking on to other realms. I don't, I just don't believe that this physical world is, is, is the main purpose of life, you know. It's where we are now, and it's where we express our deeper self. Where I'm at now is I'm really ready to, I understand how I misinterpreted life when I was a really little kid. I I remember back to certain circumstances that happened and what I decided about life, you know, and it, it led me to believe that life is really hard. My life is hard and it's going to, you know, it's overwhelming. And You mean when you were a teen, Deb? No, when I was like three or four years old. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've done a lot of work to look at how where my patterns of thinking have developed. Mm-hmm. And... um and so I really get it clearly. And so it's, but it's like, okay, well, so what? So what do I do with that information? <laughs> you know, that yeah, that I right. have it. And I, you know, it's like, oh, well, why don't I just, um, like, use that law of attraction that everyone's 
becoming aware of now and focus on my life being easy, Mm -hmm. being graceful and having things flow. And the last month I've been in a course that an old friend of mine is teaching called Soul Callers, S-O-U-L, about listening to the calling of your soul and learning how to see the guidance that's always around us, always, from other realms, Mm -hmm. you know, and I've, I've always felt it, and I've always kind of been embarrassed to talk with people about it because people think you're crazy. Right, they might think you lost your marbles. Yeah, (laughs) but everybody has those moments in their life where they have these coincidences and these synchronicities, and, you know, they can think what they want, but I know that it's guidance from another place. And that's, after all, isn't that what's what religions are about, to have us really see the divine in every situation. Did I tell you my story of um, meeting somebody in an alumni event? She was an older actress. Did I tell you the story? No. I was, I I know I told another guest on the show, I'll I'll tell you, I was at a Syracuse alumni event. I didn't want to go. It was some luncheon at the Four Seasons. My dad arranged, and he's like, just go. It'd be good. You network. I said, no, it sounds so boring. I end up going. And I never liked when they went around a room in any situation when you have to introduce yourself, what do you ugh, do? Uh-huh. Right, ugh, right? And my, <laughs> my heart would like pound in my chest. Um, and before they started going around the room, this woman across from me, this older woman, introduced herself. She says, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm in training and development, but I don't, I don't feel really connected to my job. It just becomes a paycheck, and it doesn't have enough meaning, and I feel like I need to do something else. And I, she said, well, what, what do you like to do? And I said, well, I've always enjoyed radio, and I minored in it, but I never pursued it because I've been kind of shy. And, and she said, well, I'm an actress. And she talked about her life. She said, I've done a lot of work in radio and voiceover. She said, I have an amazing teacher that really helped me. And she wrote her name down. She said, Janine, you're to call her today. Just oh, like wow. that. And I said, well, yeah. you know, I have to go back to work. She said, no, no, no. You, after you leave here, call her. Here it is. And she kept saying, you know, do it, do it. And I called this woman, and I started taking classes with this woman, and she brought me out of my shell, and she was very funny, and she made us feel uh, very safe in her class, and I would go, and I'd laugh, and it was the kind of thing where a lot of people always wanted to do voiceover, but they didn't know where to start, and she would hand you a piece of copy, and uh, she whispered something into some woman's ear. The woman was very nervous in the front of the room. And the woman looks at her and says, I can't say that. I can't do that. <sighs> yes, you can. Well, the woman ended up skipping around the room, swearing every other word when she was reading a commercial for, like, Clorox. <laughs> <sighs> and it was the funniest thing. And what happened was the woman obviously loosened up and right. was able to just come out of her shell. And it taught me so much. Yeah, that's that awesome. We're all people. We're all on the same. We all have our insecurities. Yeah. And, you know, we can just let it let it go. Just, just let it right. hang out. No one's going to judge you. Yeah. And in those moments, it's like you really bring the experience of being a human being, but then you bring in that feeling of the divine that everyone is looking for now. You know, everyone yeah. is so stressed and full of struggle right now, and it's we're really trying to find that place of peace in ourselves. And right, right. That's great. That's so cool. What a great coach. She's a great coach. I studied with her for a while. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show, this new show, Get the Funk Out, is because I know you do all these interesting creative things, mm-hmm. whether you've been in a funk or not, and... You're not just uh, content sticking to one down one path. Okay, I'm going to just stay on this one path. I'm just right. going to do this one thing. That it's not you. That's not me. And I think that's why we connected. Yeah, you know, I think you know. so too. Among other things. Right. Well, I've I've just I have a big energy and I have a big passion and I don't I don't do well. You know, I've reached a point maybe 
five, ten years ago where I realized if I'm not expressing myself creatively, mm-hmm. I get depressed. Sure. You know, I'm suppressing my expression, and then, well, what happens if you keep suppressing something? It just gets depressed, and then it's going to either bubble out of you in some kind of unhealthy way, or you can channel it in a healthy way. And, you know, I never, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I've had to really work for everything, and that's kept me going forward. Otherwise, it's easy to stay in those comfort zones. Right. You know, I I was in college, in my junior year was when I had my first funk, my first really big funk. What happened? Well, I was a music theater major. Everything I did revolved around singing, mm-hmm. every class. I had a lead role in Pippin at the time, the show that we were doing. And I just had progressively worse vocal issues. And I got a new voice teacher. This is in Virginia. And she took me up to New York one day to see a real top, top throat doctor in the city. Okay. And he told me that I had some bad vocal habits. I had to unlearn them, retrain, and I had to go on vocal rest for six months. Oh, my and gosh. I was, yeah, I was like 20 years old at the time, and everything in my life was around my voice. And then, that was a Friday, that Sunday of the same weekend, the love of my life that I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with ended our relationship. Oh, lovely. And, <laughs> yeah, so it was like the two big loves of my life kind of, were taken away that weekend. Mm. And at 20 years old, that feels like a death sentence. You know? <laughs> sure it does. Can't, can't quite process that and see and see further down the road. And mm-hmm. we didn't have counseling and, and back then, and I didn't have that luxury. Yeah. So um, I kind of fell apart. I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. I felt like a loser, a failure. I'd been, you know, oh. like an A student my whole life. And Gosh. here's like... A grade can't, you know, getting an A can't fix that, you know. So I started thinking, how can I justify leaving school? Because I, I mean, literally, I was a zombie. I would work, I'd get up and work in the cafeteria, I'd go to class, I'd go to rehearsal, I'd come back to my dorm room, and if, if I didn't have homework to do, I would just lay on my bunk and stare at the ceiling, and that went on the whole semester. It was really Whoa, pathetic. Whoa, that is sad. That's a tough. That's a tough time. (laughs) It was really, it was really bad. So um, how'd you pull yourself out of it? How how did you pull yourself out of that? Well, I decided to run away. Okay. I I just and it was really hard for me to justify running away because I was always a good student. You know, I was Mm -hmm. a goody two shoes. And um, so my uncle worked for the airlines back then. So. I wrote him and I said, can you send me application forms to start applying? This is way before the computer days. Mm-hmm. Start applying to be like a flight attendant. Coincidentally, my sister, who was a professional ballet dancer, was at, not in a company at that time, and she ended up joining Ringling Brothers and Barnum & Bailey Circus as a showgirl. And so that Christmas break, my par- we lived in Maryland. My parents said, well, let's drive down to Florida on your break and we'll see the opening of the show. So we did. We went down. We stayed in Florida for, I don't know, four or five days. And I I was entranced. It was like stepping into a surreal other world. Oh, I bet. <laughs> and I, my mind started spinning. I was like, hmm, hmm, hmm. So I drove back home with my parents, and I broke the news to them that I had decided I was going to quit school. <laughs> And join the circus. Wait, time and out. I, Were your parents like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> well, I don't really know. I don't remember. I was okay. so fuzzy. Okay. But I 
think on the one level they probably were, but then mm-hmm. on another level my sister was there, so oh, it was sort of like, well, at least we can be there for each other. That's true, that's true. That's what I'm thinking. So I went back to school, I checked out, I remember my theater director looked at me and said, I think you're making a big mistake. And of yeah. course at that time I was really angry, and I was like, if you'd have given me the leads in some of the shows, maybe I wouldn't be yeah. I think it's awesome. I'm, I love this story. Go on. Love and it. then, well, come to find out, like, 20 years later, I found out they were getting ready, to, he was getting ready to do um, Fiddler on the Roof, and I think I probably would have gotten that big role. So, you know, part of me looks back and says, oh, big mistake, big regret, because who knows, you know, I really loved acting. Mm-hmm. So anyway, but I've, I always try to turn my regrets into lessons. Good. So I, I oh, then I went into D.C., well, I guess I did this before I went to school. I went into D.C. and interviewed with the guy because I, I was like, well, what am I going to do in the circus? So the first few months I worked as a concession worker. I walked up and down the seats selling the programs and those obnoxious circus lights that they twirl around <laughs> and um, <laughs> making, like, pennies for money. Oh, and, but I went and I interviewed with the, um, the head of the concessions. Their mm-hmm. office was in Washington, D.C., and, he, and I had a nice business suit on and dressed up, and he said, really, like, you don't want to do this. And for about a half hour, we argued about this. He said, you really don't. You really have much greater potential than this. You don't want to do this. Please okay. don't do this. Okay. <laughs> and I said, I don't care. I'm, I want to do this. I want to do this. So finally, he surrendered, and he said, fine, fly down to Florida next week. So I did. I flew down to Florida. I lived in the train in a room with another girl, it was the the train room was literally maybe four feet wide. It was like maybe five oh feet gosh. wide. It was like the width of it was a bunk bed. So I had the top, she had the bottom, and then there was just enough room to stand, and there was a little tiny sink. And so you don't want to be claustrophobic in a situation like this. Yeah, <laughs> and like that was it. And I had to keep all my clothes in my suitcase at the foot of my bed. It's crazy, and that's how I lived. For, and then you would shower in the. Um, in the arenas, you know, when you traveled around. Yes. In the, in the dressing rooms. And that's how I lived. You shared a toilet in the middle of the train. I lived like that for the first three months or so, and then we got to New York City, and um, the concession people went on vacation for two months. They played Madison Square Garden in those days for two months at a time. Okay. And they let me, they let me work concessions on the weekends for the garden which was, I was probably one of the first girls to ever do that. And during the week, I would tutor the trapeze kid, oh. uh, Tato, who's now a, a grown man living in, he's an amazing performer and um, costume designer, he's amazing. But at that time, he was like, I don't know, eight, nine years old. So I would do that, and I would just hang out backstage, and the, one of the showgirls taught me all the choreography. Oh, so just for exciting. fun, just for this. fun, because I never took dance. I played the piano in my sister's dance studio when mm-hmm. I was in high school, but I could move well. So then they had a big audition for Showgirl, new Showgirls mm-hmm. in New York, and I auditioned, and out of nowhere, two Showgirls quit, and I got hired to be a Showgirl. Oh, my gosh, so look at that. It was, cra- was kind of crazy, you know? The timing. Like, the time, yeah, and that's why I think there's always this divine guidance. Like, not, yeah. you're never alone. You're always... There's always another opportunity around the next corner. You just have to get up out of bed and, mm-hmm. and go out there. So then they trained me. They hired two other girls at the same time. So the three of us got trained. We learned the choreography for the five or six dances that we did, got fitted for our costumes, and we learned an aerial number where we climbed. It's the Spanish web 
you've seen it where you climb a rope 25 feet high and yes. hang, hang from a loop by your knee or your ankle and they spin you around. And you were cool with that? You know what? I, <laughs> I don't know why I did it. I can't even tell you now why I did it, but I thought, <laughs> why not? Imagine trying to do, to do it now. I'd be like, blech. <laughs> Well, I actually tried to do it a few years ago at the circus school here in Philly. You did? <laughs> I was like, oh, I just wanted to. So, how'd that go? Wait, I hear it. How'd, you, how'd it go? Well, this woman is amazing, but she's, a, she's like a brute. She makes you, I just wanted to go back and see if I could do the old routine I did on the rope, right? Yeah. Oh, no, she makes you learn everything. <gasps> so she had me on the trapeze bar, oh and God. she's toughening me up, right? Well, after two classes... My whole, <laughs> my whole leg, the back of my leg, and my whole entire arm oh was God. black and blue. It looked like I was beat to a pulp by somebody. <laughs> and it was like the spring, and I'm thinking, I can't do this. Right. You know, if it was winter, I could cover up. But sure, no, sure. I, it was horrendous, so I, I just dropped out. I oh, was just hysterical. like, this hurts too much. But I know I could do the rope, but that trapeze, no way, no, no way. No. So anyway, I ended up doing the circus for two years. And it was this crazy adventure of my life. Um, lived on the circus train, traveled the whole country, played all the major arenas, Amazing. and danced and hung upside down by a rope. Met, had friends from Bulgaria, Colombia, Poland. I mean, everywhere. So exciting. Um, learned foreign languages. I just, I loved it. And how, how long? I'm sorry. How long did you do this for? This two one? years, 1979, 1980. Amazing. And um, it, my sister stayed for the first year, and then she left. Mm-hmm. And I finally left. Because, well, really, because my mom reminded me that I said I would only stay for two years because I think she was afraid I would just stay forever, and I probably would have. Oh, really? Uh, wow, you loved that I was that getting much. ready to sign another contract. And um, I, I was also really feeling the pull inside to get back to doing my music. Okay. So I ended up um, eventually moving to New York. My cousin and his wife invited me to New York, and I did a workshop at the Actors Institute and I really said, you know, yeah, I really want to do this. So I moved to New York, which was, you know, like a crazy thing to do. I had no money. And um, I ended up taking voice lessons, like I said, with Katie Agresta. Mm-hmm. And then she, she, she was teaching Cinder, Cindy Lauper at the time, voice lessons. And Cindy nice. got really famous. Yeah. Everybody wanted to study with Katie all of a sudden. So she trained me to teach. And I helped her start her school and um, taught in her that. school for handful of years, and then um, eventually I, I was also, my life is just full of, like I said, there's a million little brush strokes underneath of all this, but I was married, and then that didn't work out, and I got divorced, and then met my current husband, and I moved to South Jersey, where I am now. I've been teaching here. Over the years, I just felt this pull to tell my story, to tell my stories. Nice. I, you know, I love to write. When I... <laughs> When I was about seven or eight, I would take off on my bike, and I would just ride around, ride and ride and ride around the development the neighborhood for hours, and I would write little movies and just play all the roles and say, say the lines out loud of all the characters, and it was great because I was on my bicycle, so nobody could hear me, and I wasn't embarrassed. So you've always been a free spirit and so creative since you were younger. I, yeah, yeah, but you know, I denied that to myself for most of my life. Like I said, like trying to deny, trying to hold it back, trying mm-hmm. to suppress my expression because I felt it was annoying to people. I was annoying. I just had all these things about myself. That's interesting. Made, Why you would th- think you're annoying, you know? 
Well, it, you know, it's all from your ch- childhood oh, yeah. when things happen and then you yes. make these conclusions about, oh, I guess, uh, you know, and yes. I can tell you the silly little things it came out of. But um, so I, I eventually started writing a screenplay about the circus. Mm-hmm. And I, was, I would write it and then not write it. And finally, many, 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 many years later, I finished it last year. I got a partner to help me finish writing it. Beautiful. And it's a, re- you know, it's a really nice story. I get great feedback on it. I mean, people just love it. And so I'm shopping that now. It's called Sawdust and Glitter. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm working on another one now that came out of, that came to me in a dream, actually. Hold on. I want you to save the story. We're going to take a short break. Okay, great. All right. You're listening to Get the Funk Out. We're talking to Deb Chamberlain. We'll be back in just a few minutes. This is KUCI 88.9 FM. The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the management of KUCI or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show, go to KUCI.org. As a parent, you can't help but look at your child and wonder what the future holds. You may dream about the possibility of your son or daughter becoming a professional athlete or a renowned heart surgeon. But while you're dreaming, consider this. The odds that your child will be diagnosed with autism are 1 in 166. Knowing the signs of autism and catching it early could make a world of difference to your child and to you. To learn the signs, visit AutismSpeaks.org. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. You're listening to K-C-I 88.9 FM Irvine, Irvine, Irvine Friend us on Facebook at KUCI FM And Twitter at KUCI FM KUCI, talk, music, and more This is Anthony Hopkins with an important message about cancer prevention and treatment. Did you know that the right foods can help prevent this frightening disease? New studies show that fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and other high-fiber vegetarian foods reduce the risk of certain cancers, and they may even improve survival. Visit cancerproject.org or call 866-906-WELL. Brought to you by The Cancer Project, a non-profit organization advancing cancer prevention and survival. We're back on the Get the Funk Out show, and we are back with Deb Chamberlain. Hi, Deb. Hi. You're talking about how perhaps things have come full circle for you, right? Yep. Right now in my life, a lot of times I have the experience I can't tell if my life is imitating my art or my art is imitating (laughs) my life. (laughs) I can relate to that. (laughs) So I don't fight it. I'm just going with it. And uh, if, if you've known me, in my life, you may show up in one of my screenplays. So. Uh oh. <laughs> so be nice to her. <laughs> be nice. <laughs> but um, yeah, this dream. I had this dream two Christmases ago, and uh, I woke up, bam, and wrote it down. And I know that it was a gift handed to me. It's this amazing premise. It's like this otherworldly. I don't know how to describe it other than that uh, premise. Mm-hmm. That brings a group of people together for this experience. So um, I think an, uh, I told you a little bit ago that I'm in this class called Soul Caller. Yes. And um, I'm learning how to stop fighting, stop fighting my sensitivity. You know, I've all, my whole life 
I feel people have been saying, you're too sensitive, you know, <laughs> like, toughen up. You mean, like, how um, people are critical of you, like, what yes. you're doing? And, yeah. Well, well, I had a guest on my show, and she, she was saying how there are people in your life that are toxic. And, you know, like, they'll always say, why are you doing that? Or, you know, they'll be mm-hmm. negative on you, and you don't need that. You have to, actually, it's almost like you have to open your front door and just ha- have it all get out of your house, you know, yeah. because it's too toxic for us. Yeah, but I find that then I wouldn't have any friends in my I wouldn't have anybody in my That's life. That's scary. <laughs> so part of me, I have to just say, okay, well, what if I look at my sensitivity as a gift? And everybody's sensitive, you yes, know, everybody yeah. is. I think that's why we build up the walls around us to protect us because we don't, as small kids, and we don't know how to, how to read things, you know, we misinterpret sure. things. Sure. So um, I've been peeling off the layers all these years, and I'm starting to see the sensitivity as a gift. And being more receptive to the signs that are put in my in my path. I mean, like, really sometimes dropped in my path. It's crazy. And um, call me crazy, but I, I just I feel that there's angels and spirit guides and, and divine beings all around all of us, and I'm starting to practice tuning into them. And mm-hmm. instead of feeling overwhelmed by life, you know, like, I really want to sell my screenplays. I want to see them produced. And... You know, who doesn't want to see their screenplays produced? How do you do? How do you make that happen? Right. And um, so I'm just going to start. Instead of focusing on how hard that is and how unlikely that is, I'm going to start focusing on how, on the signs that come to me and the steps that come to me. And you know, crazy things happen. Crazy things happen. That's right. And the whole law of attraction concept. You know, it's a simple concept, but if you look at if, if you break it down to whatever you focus and put your attention on is what you're going to start to build momentum towards in your life and have more of. So if I'm constantly worrying about things, I'm still putting my attention on those things I'm worried about, so I'm still going to have more of that. Right. right. So it's really like turning 180 degrees to what, if that's what I don't want, then what do I want? Sure. And then just build, taking those baby steps, taking those small actions day in, day out, towards the things I really do want and having the rest of my life be about that instead of dwelling on regrets. You know, I I just get so triggered all the time by everything. I could easily slip into another funk, easily slip into another depression or, you know, heaviness. And I'm starting finally to learn how to see that as a gift. Oh, that's telling me I'm not paying attention to something in me. Mm -hmm. That's, That's urging me. You know, first you get a... You get a feeling inside, then you get a little tap, then you get a little push, then a little shove, then the universe conks you on the head <laughs> and says, you better, you better pay attention. Right, right. And um, I'm starting to be more sensitive to re- how to read those, those signs and that guidance so that I don't have to always have my life spin out of control into a crisis That's before good. I take, uh, take an action. That's great. That's great. You know, I remember somebody telling me a long time ago, because I do voiceover work, and I said, I really want to get into SAG, the Screen Actors Guild. Mm-hmm. And they, they'd they say, well, don't say if you do. Say when you get exactly. into SAG. Yeah, and, yeah. And you you actually, I think it really helps to make a list and just be so positive and, and communicate your needs to people because you never know who might be able to help you. But just have positive energy, positive thoughts, and... But the funny thing is, my daughter thought I wanted to get into SAD. She didn't know it was SAG. Oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, when are you going to get your SAD card? I'm like, well. Right, right. Um, but well, you, just be positive. Just throw it out there, you know. Well, sometimes it's hard to be positive when you're really down the dump. Very like, hard. I've, 
I've spent so much time being really down in the dumps. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things, one of the um, things that I've studied is the Abraham Hicks. I don't know if you know about no. um, Abraham. Esther and Jerry Hicks, unfortunately, Jerry passed recently. There's a couple, and she channels this entity that she calls Abraham. Mm-hmm. And um, they popularized the, the, um, the whole concept of law of attraction about 30-some years ago. And you can go to their website, abraham-hicks.org, I think. Okay. And um, they they send out these like daily um, daily f- emails, you know, with things from the books. And and one of the things in one of her books called "Ask and It Is Given" that I love is she has like these diff- like twenty two I think levels of emotions, starting from the heaviest, most depressed energy vibration up to the highest, like joy and love. And it's not realistic to go from like really depressed to really happy. Yes. And to be able to stay, to sustain that is right. just really usually not possible unless a miracle happens, you know, which is which is possible. But on a day to day basis, and and she, you know the what what she teaches is reach for something just a little bit higher in energy in your thoughts that just gives you a little relief, mm-hmm. like you know, just a little bit better. Just well, I can just get through this day, right. and just keep reaching for a little bit higher, and then reach for another. L- thought that's a little bit, like, just brings you relief and comfort. And so I, I, I re- that really resonated with me and helped me shift through things in the last few years that I really couldn't get through. That's great. Because I thought, what's the point in, like, getting all, you know, built up, get my ex- expectations, my hopes all built up, and then they come crashing down again? Well, I started to realize that, you know, that's really not how the energy works. Mm-hmm. And um, so I don't have these expectations now that I'm going to wake up and, you know, hear music in the air, I, I just, I feel that if I just turn my focus to what's important for me now, what's important for me now, and it doesn't mean I'm not going to feel sad, but I don't have to suffer if I feel sad. But let me ask you this, how do you feel when you finish a screenplay? Oh my gosh, when I, <laughs> it's like giving birth, you right, know, right. You're, you're, you're elated, you're, you're, the feeling of relief, physical, emotional, spiritual, it's just like you're on top of the world. You, all the suffering that you've gone through mm-hmm. to get that project complete is like all the suffering you go through in nine months of, and then labor and delivery. Yeah. But then it starts again because now, well, now what do you do with this? Now you have this baby, now you've got to raise the baby. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> then you've got to prepare it to go out in the world. So. You know, it's on one level. I'm excited. I have these projects. You know, I also have two CDs that I've that you know my husband and I have written, produced, and you know, getting them out there in the world, getting your songs into soundtracks of movies and TV shows, and getting the songs on there. How do you do that? Right. How do you do that? And um, so that's you know, what's that's interesting. Like a, that's, Excuse me for a second. I'm listening yeah. to you and I'm thinking, it's the people that are so creative, the writers, the musicians. We choose the hardest paths. The, the most creative paths are the hardest paths. You know, it's we don't just get up in the morning and go to a nine to five. We, we choose something that's so challenging, but it, it um, fills us, you know. Yeah, and I think that it is a soul calling. I don't think if you have that soul calling, you can ignore it without being unhappy. Right. Because it's like ne- it's like neglecting a, a part of yourself, and sure. so it is a challenge. But you know, they say, look back in history. You know, who really transforms the cultures? It's the artists. They speak for the culture. That's right. That's the right. artists are the voice of the culture. So um, they're the they're the voyeurs and the 
you know, we watch what's going on, and then we put, we turn it into songs and movies and poems and books, and mm-hmm. um, and I think it's um, I think it's I think we choose this, you know, karmically we choose these paths for ourselves. It's not like we're victims of oh, I have these gifts and it's so hard, you know. I think we choose it to come into this life and to use our life this time to to contribute to the world through our voices, through our through our um, expression. Right. I think it's so essential to feed that part of ourselves, to, you know, to nurture that, our part, that part of ourselves. I know that I have I had such a feeling of accomplishment when I went through the UCI screenwriting program. I started off in the beginning class, then the, the next class we worked on the, you know, the, the first act, second act, third act, and then the rewrite class. And when I wrote my first screenplay, it, it was like having a baby. It was, it was, you know, it was amazing. And then, and then now I'm rewriting it and it's been sitting on my desk, which is driving me crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But sometimes when you step away from something and you come back, it becomes stronger. So, but I just want to get back into it. But the point is, I, I can't imagine not uh, having those little creative outlets, you know, because they do help me get out of my funk and make you feel good. Yeah. 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 And now I have a 16 year old daughter. Wow. Who's like dropped at gorgeous, smart, fun? I mean, she's just. Is she musical? Um, is she a singer? She's got so many talents that it's just like pick one, do you know? But she yeah. loves, she loves um, the art of makeup, hair. Like she really loves to create beauty nice. through those. So I think she's going to go in that direction. But you know, talk about get the funk out. So this is bringing up all the old issues in my life that I still <laughs> haven't resolved from my teen years and my childhood. So it's really, and you know, and then it brings up all the new issues with, you know, having a teenage daughter. So it's not like I think I'm ever going to get to a point where I'm going to have it all together and have it all mastered and feel like, yeah, I'm on top of the world, you know. Right. But um, I do feel that I'm mastering my ability to move through things, to move through the funk faster and more gracefully. That's good. And more appreciatively, if that's a word, with more appreciation Mm -hmm. for the lessons, for the growth, for the change and the transformation that it brings to me and brings me closer to myself. It brings me closer to what my life is all about and That's great. I yeah, I can really look back on my life and almost rewrite my past without the suffering now because I can see it through the eyes of an adult. I can see it. I can see my childhood through the eyes of my parents. I can mm-hmm. see my childhood through the, the eyes of myself as an adult. And I am starting to heal the wounds by, by not um, seeing them in the old stuck way that I used to see them. And it, fr- it really frees me up to just say, oh, I'm fine. What's the big deal? You know, what's That's all great. the drama about? That's great advice for people, too. It really is. Mm-hmm. It and really anyone is. can do it. I mm-hmm. mean, you have to look back and say, well, what was the lesson? What, what did that lead me to? You know, like me quitting school led me to the circus, which led me to writing screenplays. You mm-hmm. know, would I have done that? Maybe, maybe not. But that's a gift. Yes, yes. No, uh, it's amazing when you, when you uh, put yourself in a situation and you think it's the worst. A lot of positive comes out of uncertainty and, and yeah. decisions that you make, you know. Right. And we're also afraid of the unknown, mm-hmm. but like the future, like from the next moment on is all unknown. We think, you know, we, we, we bring ourselves into this false sense of that we think we know what's going to happen, you know, because we have 
a retirement account and we have a job and we have a plan. That doesn't mean it's actually going to happen, you know? (laughs) And um, in the face of uncertainty is actually where all creativity starts because if if it's already certain and it's already done, then there is no possibility for anything new to occur in that situation or that moment. But in the face of the unknown, you can. So, but most of us are so afraid of the unknown that we pull away and we go back in our comfort zone, and then we get miserable and we get in the funk. Yes. yes. So it's, it's like really diving into the unknown. But you can do What I'm really getting is I always have this guidance. I always have my angels. I always have my friends. I always have mm-hmm. all levels of support and love and guidance around me. So I'm never alone. So even when I'm diving in and I'm terrified going down that hill on the roller coaster where I'm going to throw up, um, <laughs> I, which I hate roller coasters. Me too. <laughs> but I, um, I'm not alone. And to me, you know, we're never not going to be in a funk. Everyone's going to go up and down. But the one thing to me that, that, that soothes me is that I am not alone. Mm-hmm. I am not alone. Right. No, I believe that. I believe that. And, you know, I was actually really close to my grandmother, so I put little things around the house. And uh-huh. I feel like she's still with me. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I actually have this little stuffed uh, animal, this little dog that used to sit by her bedside when she was uh, really old. And I oh. have it right by me, you know. And oh. I'm like, it's almost like she's hanging with me, you know. <laughs> oh, I'm sure she is. I love it. My, my mother-in-law passed a year and a half ago, and she comes to me in dreams now. Oh. And um, she doesn't talk. She's just there, and and I know, like it's it's how she comes to me, and it's, yeah. it's really, you know, it's sweet. It's nice. Deb, I want to thank you so much for calling in. Where can people find out more information about you? Well, I have a website, mm-hmm. and um, they can go to that. It's debchamberlin.com. Okay. But Chamberlain is, is does not have an A in the end. It's C H A M B E R L I N, like okay. Berlin, the city, Chamberlain. Okay, great, great. And thank you so much. It was a pleasure having you on the show. We're going to wrap up the show. We're going to play uh, a song from your CD, I Am She. Oh, great. All right. So, awesome. You're the best. Aww, I love you, Janine. Thank you. I love you too. And I want to see you sometime. So I'll let you know when I come back east. Or when I come out west. All right. Absolutely. So you're more than welcome. Anytime. Let me know. Okay. All right. right. Take care. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Get the Funk Out. Up next, Sheldon Abbott with Cure for the Blues. And I'm going to leave you with a song from Deb Chamberlain. This is Then Came You. I'll be back here next Monday on Get the Funk Out. Have a great Monday.